As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Better up! Welcome to No Buts, the show for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Podcast Network, brought to you by your sports-loving friends over at No Dunks. I'm Tass Mellis, and with me, from across the ocean, it's Joel McMillan. Joel, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I said from across the ocean. We usually say from across the pond, because that's fun to say, but that's like North America to Europe, right? We're going to Asia here. Joel is joining us from Taiwan. Uh, thanks again, Joel, for coming on. This is uh, third time thanks this for having season. me. Triple uh, crown, baby. <laughs> uh, no JD with us. Saved him from an episode here from having to be on live. The guy's doing like nine shows a week. And we are recording right after the Astros took care of business here in game six. It was a great one. You're clapping. Are you an Astros man or you just appreciate good baseball? Uh, bit of column A, bit of column B. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, so you're not yeah, tired of seeing the Astros so much in the postseason, then? Uh, that's a good question. Not not particularly. I mean, they've turned over. You know, we talked about this on the last show. They've turned over significant portions of their roster. They're a dominant team. They're exciting to watch. Uh, I feel like they're always kind of in control, which might be a bit anticlimactic for some fans, but it's so hard to do that in sports, let alone baseball. So I'm I'm not in that camp. You know, they got there. They deserve to be there. And it was an exciting World Series. I know Houston won. Philly did not make it easy. It was oh, entertaining. No. It was a blast. Yeah. Uh, and as you said last time, I picked a good season to start No Bunts here, yeah. this being the season finale, and we'll, we'll get to, to that a little bit later on. Looking for your comments out there, what we can do better next year and all that. But overall, zoom out. How were the playoffs for Joel McMillan? I really enjoyed this first year of the format. There was a lot of things that didn't go to script, which I thought, you know, make it unique. We talked about that on the on the show last time, you know, mixing a bit of chaos. I feel there was more than enough of that uh, in this year's playoffs. 
I enjoyed it. It will be interesting to see going forward how front offices and teams manage their roster, like from from a roster construction standpoint, and then like how do you manage that once you get into the playoffs? Are you know, are you one of those teams that rested? You know, because Atlanta, Atlanta, and oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Mm-hmm. Who's the other? T- the well, top seed in the NL, Atlanta. They both got knocked out in the first. The Dodgers, Dodgers you know, they yeah. got knocked out, and then on the other side of the bracket. You know, Houston and New York both went through. So it'll be interesting to see in the future going forward, you know, how teams strategize. Well, listen, I haven't uh, really taken baseball seriously in a while. And this was a great postseason. This was a great World Series. And I want to take everybody through this series because it was that good. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about, you know, the big questions, the big plays, potential cheating, tipping, Pitches? No. With with the Houston Astros cheating? No. Uh, there was a lot of spitting and snot rockets. Uh, we'll get to. I see. I see a lot of uh, the hugs for Dusty Baker, which is great. So we'll get to Game Six and all that. But let's go through game by game because there was a lot of good stuff, and a lot of people said Game One was the best game. So let's just st- start there, Joel. Sure. Uh, uh, we were talking during the preview about how mm-hmm. big leads can be overcome, right? Uh, that's happened a lot this postseason. The Phillies mm-hmm. actually, you know, did it to the Cardinals early on. And the Astros in game one got up five zip on two homers by Kyle Tucker in back-to-back innings. Two homers from the same guy in two consecutive innings. Yeah. You don't see that very often. No. Uh, in the second and third, uh, it looked like the favorites had this game. It looked like it as did. we were talking. Uh, and I know we said... Any team can come back in baseball. Baseball's not like that anymore where you're up four or five, six runs. But did you think it was over, Joel, when the Astros got up five zip? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm like, uh-oh, this is going to be this is gonna be a smoke show. And we were, you know, like we were texting in our group chat, and then, you know, that that became a freezing cold take uh, very quickly. Uh, I th- Yeah, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was going to be a blowout in game one for sure. Although this one was pretty rare under the circumstances. It was. uh, Justin Verlander, who's on the hill for Houston, his team was 101-2 and in games where he was up 5-zip. And uh, he looked so damn good early as well. That was a big part of it as well. He retired the first nine hitters in order until the fourth when things went a little bit off the rails. And Mm -hmm. in the fourth and fifth, the Phillies got to him, scoring five on him. Talking mm. about Dusty Baker, maybe Dusty left him in a little too long. Oh, yeah. Right. Hindsight, you can always do that. <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, F- uh, Philly tied the game, kept by a Rail Muto double to score two. I bring mm-hmm. him up because uh, he'll come into the picture later. Uh, yeah. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, still 5-5. The Astros had a shot to win it. Runner at second for Jeremy Pena, the rook, and he blooped it to right. And Nick Castellanos came in sprinting and made that sliding grab. Yeah, which was huge. How many times has he done that this postseason? Well, he did it in he did it in the Atlanta series as well, right? Yep. If I'm yes. not mistaken, yeah, yeah. he's he's uh, you know, and credit credit to Castellanos, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute. I know we were texting before. Philadelphia, not a great defensive team, and that came back to bite them. Although, in the context of what we're talking about here, yeah, he made a game saving catch. Mm-hmm. Um, which was kind of out of character for, you know, Philadelphia defensively. Um, very exciting, you know, because if that ball drops, it's game over. You know, it's Houston, game over. Houston wins that game, yeah. 
Yeah, it's Bauman ninth and Jeremy Pena who were waiting to get the word that he is World Series MVP. He's got to be. He's, He's got to be, be, yeah. He's a freaking rookie, the first rookie position player to win MVP in the World Series once we get it, once once mm-hmm. it's confirmed. We're still watching here. But anyways, uh, so that didn't happen. In the top of the 10th, Real Muto leading off for the Phillies. He hit that opposite yeah. field rocket. It looked like just a, a liner, really. Like Yeah, I didn't think it was going to get out. Oppo no. Taco, though. Oppo Taco? Yeah. Oppo Taco. You never heard Oppo Taco? <laughs> I guess I'm not a baseball man. Tell me okay. what Oppo Taco means. It's just I don't. Know, it's just a slang word for like a whole opposite field. It, home it just run. goes just a dinger. Just gets out. Yeah. Oppo oh. Taco. Oppo Taco. I don't know the I don't know the origins of it. I I wish I could tell you more, but I don't. I just know the the phrase. Hey man, I'll be saying it. Oppo Taco for Real Muto. <laughs> uh, that that looked like. It looked like it was going to fall flat, like it was a yeah. fry, fry supreme, just going to lay, <laughs> lay a little fatty in, uh, in the right field, maybe off the wall. But it just kept going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just got over the glove of Kyle Tucker uh, at yeah. the wall. Solo shot, Phillies up 6-5. They hung on, and Real Muto became the first player in history to hit a both, sorry, hit both a postseason inside the Parker and mm-hmm. an extra inning homer. Ever, mm. not just in the same postseason, but the only guy to ever hit an inside the Parker and an extra inning homer in the postseason ever. Is that a cherry pick stat? Yeah, maybe. Who cares? But, uh, <laughs> I mean, he did it to the Braves. A catcher who hit an inside yeah. the Parker against the Braves. Pretty wild. Anyway, Joel, what do you think? If Can you, can you go back to game one? Do you think this yep. was the best game of the series? Yeah. There were some exciting games. It it was it was exciting. Yeah, the you know it went into extra innings, the big comeback. It was, I think personally, I think game five was the most exciting. There were fewer runs scored. Yeah, but game one, you know, wasn't short on entertainment. I I would say game game five was my favorite game of the series, followed closely by game one. Sure. Okay, and since uh, we got the bleacher creatures chipping in here. According to Eat Crab, uh, Oppo Taco's origin is Angels announcer Victor Rojas. Maybe just called it that. Maybe there's a Taco Bell sponsorship. Thank you, Eat Crab. Yeah, I don't know. We don't, but uh, I'm going with it. I think think Eat Crab is... uh, (laughs) <laughs> is is to be believed anyway yeah okay. I, I that game one was phenomenal and yeah and just as we were talking hours before about mm-hmm. you know four or five run leads uh and how yeah listen i i too am used to used to think like okay it's a four or five run lead this this thing is probably over uh mm-hmm. but uh yeah we've seen it many times in this postseason so that was yeah. very cool um I know you're a big Rob Thompson, manager of the the Phillies, a fan of his. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you think he managed his pitchers in this game, getting the W? He brought yeah. in Alvarado with only one out in the fifth earlier than he ever had, and uh, they got it done. So give me a little, give me a little Thompson love. Yeah, he. I mean, he he managed it well. Uh, it's unfortunate, he, or uh, Philadelphia's bullpen kind of fell apart as the series went on but you know in terms of game one I thought he did a great job and also kudos to both uh both managers for sticking with both of their starters even though both of them kind of got I mean maybe shelled is a bit harsh but they weren't good and I feel like there's certain teams in the playoffs where 
if that starter had done that on a certain team, they would have been yanked way earlier, but they stuck with them. They, I think both guys ended up going five plus innings, if I'm not mistaken, or at least five. So I think both managers handled it well. I think it became a chess game after that. Uh, but no, no qualms about how the way Thompson, you know, ran things in game one. I thought, I thought he did a masterful job to be honest. Now I, I do say, uh, that it is possible for teams to come back, but after this game, I, I saw this stat that teams that fall five runs behind or more in a world series series game now have a record of six and 220. So it's, uh, <laughs> It's yeah. not very often, uh, but Jason no. Starr coming in with that stat. Anyways, it was a long 10-inning game. It was a four-and-a-half-hour game. But yeah. I'm, I'm kind of uh, – I'm going in the other direction. Like, I, I used to be – you know, I used to want games to be over with in a decent amount sure. of time. Four-hour baseball game. Let's get over with. But when it comes to, like, the World Series and, and when it comes to this sort of uh, – you know, it's a – everyone watching together, it's it's a, an experience. I kind of like mm-hmm. how it's lost. You know, yeah. if if people are watching together because everyone is tired the next day, if you're in it together, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's it's fun, but only for the World Series the game should still be. Short. Oh, for sure. Yeah, game for should sure. Be short I'm with the, you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, moving on to game one, uh, because I wanted to see how the Astros would respond. And they did. They came out swinging. First, yeah. First pitch of the game, if you remember, against Zach yeah. Wheeler, Jose Altuve, who loves to yeah. swing. He ripped he a does. double. Uh, next pitch, Jeremy Pena hit a double. Two pitches, two doubles. Yeah. And then two pitches later, Jordan Alvarez hit a double himself. So four pitches into the game, they had three doubles. Uh, yeah. The, the Strohs responded. Bang, bang, bang. Three hitters, and they're up two zip. And it all started with Altuve, uh, who, as we've talked about, I think is the face of the Astros cheating scandal. Yeah. In, in my opinion, as a casual would fan, would agree he is. Uh, yeah, and uh, and so, um, it was it was great to see that, and it's great to see you know what what he did the rest of the series, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. if this sort of rids that the label of the the cheater, this cheater moniker that they've gotten. But yeah, uh, yeah, a lots of love for for Altuve, and and it was key to start that way, as his teammate said. I feel like that one swing by Altuve. Uh, off the bat to start the game, got the crowd into it, got our dugout into it, got yes. our offense going. So Bregman said that. Uh, so you've got to be happy for for Jose Altuve as much as I am because I think he's got sort of a bad rap and he seems like a pretty good dude. Yeah, and that was huge too because when you look back at the numbers, Altuve has was bad in this playoffs. He didn't do much against Seattle. He did almost nothing against New York. He was, he was pretty much a non-factor in both of those series. So, you know... And that's just a testament to how good Houston is. Like one of their best offensive players basically laid an egg for two series and Houston still was 7-0. and uh, Once he got going and he finished strong in this series, I feel like that, you know, him having that good first at-bat in game two after they came off, you know, a tough loss at home when they were up 5 nothing. I really feel that helped give a lot of momentum to Houston uh, in that game right off the bat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm watching Jeremy Pena receive the MVP oh, yeah. award. So congrats, congrats to Jeremy Pena. A rook getting the MVP award. Uh, very, very neat. Can we task? I don't know. Maybe the bleacher creatures could help me out. I, this is off the top of my head. I think Pena is the first player to win both 
a league championship series MVP and World Series MVP. I don't think that's ever been done before. A rook. A, a rookie won the MVP in both the league championship series and World Series MVP. I don't think that's been done before. I could be wrong, but yeah, maybe okay. the bleacher creatures can help us out there. Yeah, we'll we'll see, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll definitely trust them. No okay. matter no matter who it is, no matter what their username is, we'll trust them. No problem. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, but uh, so that was uh, Alvarez scored as well in, in the, mm-hmm. the first inning of game two there to make it three, nothing. And then yeah. Bregman, who's another guy who's been through it all, uh, yeah. hit a two run Homer to make it five zip in the fifth. And uh, Zach Wheeler was, was taking the brunt of this and he had been dominant this postseason. Mm-hmm. but these are the Strohs and yeah. uh, they knew he would attack early in the count. So they came out ready. And mm-hmm. they were swinging. On the other side, Framber Valdez was dealing. He just gave up one run through six and a third. But there was some chatter online, Joel, about Valdez getting a sticky st- substance from the palm of his glove hand. Uh, he yeah. Used, he used the, the clip going around was he was using the thumb from his pitching hand to repeatedly like rub the palm of his non-pitching yeah, I hand. Saw that. Yeah. And then And then also, you know, in addition to it, he did sort of wipe his hand before the end of an inning on his pants when an umpire always checks, right? So yeah, they're checking him. So, yeah. Anything to that, Joel, or is that is that sort of just the no. tendency of Robert Valdez, as he said? It's just sort of his thing as he's just like rubbing his Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and the umps check him. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Philly had no issues with it too. I think there were a couple comments from players and I think even the manager said something. They, they didn't take any issue with it. So I, to me, like it's a non-story. All right. And you know, what also helps. Uh, I was listening to Framber Valdez answer questions about this and he was answering through mm-hmm. an interpreter. Mm-hmm. That makes it, uh, it makes it harder to really like go after a guy when you're, when he's sure. answering through an interpreter, he could just kind of say what yeah. he wants. And then, uh, either way. Yeah. I don't think there is anything to it, but I had to ask your expert opinion. And, and, and these, these experts in the chat here real quick, it's the second rookie with a double playoff MVP, LeVon Hernandez, uh, with, uh, the oh. Marlins in 97. So, okay. So I wasn't, I wasn't right. LeVon Hernandez. Yeah. Remember that name for sure. Yeah, uh, I guess first position player to do it, but you know, if you wanna, mm-hmm. if you wanna split hairs, you're, we're splitting them here, Joel. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so this was this was an interesting end, even to a game two, because the Phillies did not die in this series. It was a blast. Oh. Top eight, the score was five one, and there was a man on first for the Phillies, and Kyle Schwarber he raked. A long home run. At least that's what it looked like, and that's what it was called yeah. at first. He was rounding the bases, but it was really close to the foul pole. Reviewed, and it was just foul. And uh, I don't mind baseball reviews. I gotta say, you know, we, we got nothing to do. I don't mind seeing get the it call play. right. Yeah, get the and, call right. Yeah, yeah, and it's dead time. I don't mind seeing uh, a review. Anyways, uh, Schwarber went back to the plate, hit a deep fly to right that was caught by yeah. Kyle Tucker on the track, right up against the wall. <laughs> And that was all she wrote for the Phils in game two. The Strohs responded, tied at one. We're going to Philly, where the mm-hmm. crowd was electric. Oh, it, they were into it. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good uh, even yeah. TV experience. It was booming. Yeah. And uh, the Phillies' bats came out booming versus Lance McCullers. Bottom one with Schwarber on, Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. homers. And it felt yeah. kind of like a movie script, right? Like, Phillies come home. Yeah. 
Harper writes the ship immediately after sending him yep. to the World Series with the dinger. And I guess that's mm-hmm. why fans were going crazy. I'm sure you were loving that. Oh, you, I was. You're, yeah. You're My boy fan. Harper. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, they were going so crazy that there was a viral tweet going around that said there was seismic activity at the time of Harper's Homer in Philadelphia. The fans were stomping so hard, cheering for Bryce, they caused an earthquake. Like, I bought it at first, uh, but it was quickly debunked. I'm not trying to spread misinformation here, but it was quickly debunked. It wasn't, it wasn't, it it was just a a completely false tweet, but it went viral and there was news reports on it. Um, Okay. So, did you feel the earthquake in Taiwan? That's my question. For you. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I no. don't think so. No, we didn't. We didn't feel it over here. But I mean, I felt you know the energy. I mean, you could. I mean, you're watching it on TV. But Tash, you made a great point. It 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 makes for great TV. Uh, I follow several different, obviously MLB social media accounts, and they've got these different angles with these you know different kinds of cameras, and it's very immersive and. You really kind of, even though you're watching it from, you know, TV or your phone or whatever, you you really get into it when you when you see it. That was such a cool thing to see, and that that set the tone for Game Three. Absolutely. Yeah, there are great camera angles. You're right. The mm-hmm. I, I'm just like sitting back, and they have done such a good job of of keeping the viewer involved in the game, like so mm-hmm. much so from when I used to watch baseball, like the zip line cameras over top of the crowds is just like skims yeah. over the crowd and you're like wow yeah. it does it does feel like you're there and it was yeah. loud and and i said it was like a movie the movie script continued because harper homers right. and then he goes to the bench after the home run and mm-hmm. he yelled at his teammate to come on over the uh, the guy who's on the on deck circle hey you i got something to tell you so alex yeah. bohm comes over and harper whispers yeah. something to him bohm goes to the plate and he homers just yeah. like that so Harper tells him something, mm-hmm. and that helps. That helps him yeah. hit a ding-dong just like that. And uh, <laughs> Bohm was interviewed mid-game on the broadcast, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he was asked, of course, by Ken Rosenthal what Harper said to him, and he said, that's between us. He then was asked if it helped him in his at-bat. He said, maybe. <laughs> a little yeah. cheeky. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, we'll get to the – yeah, the, the tipping in a second. But do you like the the mid game interview? You must, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like as a fan, I love it. Um, yeah. Oh, are you a purist? Are you a purist? You don't you don't want them interrupted? Well, it's. I mean, I I can only speak as a fan. Uh, I mean, I can understand as a player, but I think and you said this last time, the players have to agree to it. It's not like they're being. That's pushed right. into doing it by the the TV networks, or I don't know who would be making that decision. The players agree to it, but like you said uh, a minute ago, MLB's done a great job in making it like you're you're much more a, a part of it. And if these in game interviews are part of it, and they're 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 very short, they're thirty seconds to a minute. Uh, I have I have no issues with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah. So uh, a couple hitters later, Brandon Marsh mm. hit a bit of a moon ball into the first row. Um, but it hit yeah. hit off a kid's glove and it went back onto the field mm-hmm. and uh, it was rightly called a homer right away, but everyone felt yeah. bad for the kid. Did, did you see the story behind uh, the kid? Cause I'll, I'll explain it to you. So there's, there's two I kids did. right in the front. It was a 10 and mm-hmm. a 13 year old because 
the parents of these kids were trying to get four tickets to the game together, but they couldn't get four tickets together, so they had to split up seats. So the parents okay. gave their kids, a 10- and 13-year-old, the front front row. It was the first row uh, in the bleachers, mm-hmm. and they were, like, way back in the section, like at the, the actual okay. back row of the section. So they couldn't see, uh, but their kid dropped the ball, and uh, it was kind of a heartbreak. There's uh, news stories all about it. and uh, okay. And Nick Castanos did end up giving him a ball. And uh, oh, he great. was interviewed and all that. So, yeah, pretty cool yeah. moment. A 10 and 13-year-old, uh, Ty was his name, who uh, who took home the ball. And I was thinking, if you're at a World Series game, is the ball, like, any ball, I guess? I, I mean, obviously, if it's, like, a monumental home run or something, that's the best thing you could take mm. home. But, like, the ball itself, is that what you'd want to take home? Like, is there something better? Oh. I don't know. Tess, that's a tough question because you know, like you've been to you've been to a lot of live baseball games. I think it's yeah. kind of an unwritten rule. You if you catch a, a ball, you you give it to a kid. And I, I get it, but <laughs> a World Series ball, Tess. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to get the internet angry. I don't want to be selfish, but that would be hard for me to part with. I think in the <laughs> end, I I would because you know wow. now like they would put they would put you online and all the scorn and vitriol you'd get, I don't think it would be worth it, but it would, I mean, it would be a cool moment, you know, and you would be able to celebrate that forever. Uh, but I would probably give it up to a kid cause I'm old school. That's, that's what you do, you know, <laughs> but it, it wouldn't, it would not be easy. Like it, it would be tough. No, absolutely. Um, so there were a lot of homers for kids to take home because yeah, home, that game. Yeah. Uh, bomb then hit a two run bomb. Kyle Schwarber uh, to make it six nothing, and then he went to Reese Hoskins hit one on the yeah. heels of that back to back with Schwarber. So it was seven nothing in all. Five homers for the Phillies, tying the most in World yeah. Series history, and mm-hmm. five of their first six hits were homers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so they were just you know they are sort of a an all or nothing team a lot for much of this. They're a season. power team for sure. Yeah, and. Uh, that aside, you could just you could just say, "Oh, that that's what they do. They hit home runs." But right. this discussion materialized online. I wanted to get your opinion that Lance McCullers was tipping his pitches, and so mm-hmm. the Phillies were ready for off-speed pitches because the theory was he was giving away what was coming because of his windup, whether it was mm-hmm. fastball or off-speed. And there's video breakdowns out there, and yeah. the, and the Harper advice. And so that could lead you to believe that there was some truth to it. Four of those homers were on off-speed pitchers. I don't know if you saw Pedro Martinez on MLB Network, but he said absolutely it was. And he, yeah, it was, he, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, he gave the demonstration that uh, the the slider is off-speed pitches. His windup was his glove hand ended up like on the side of his head. Like, mm-hmm. As soon as he came up in his windup, like the side of his head, while his fastball was a lot lower, like chin level. Yeah. So do you were you buying it? into that or were you were you- yeah i was i mean you know pedro martinez you know speaks you kind of listen he's been there and done that uh that's on mccullers to make adjustments there's there's no i don't think there's anything wrong with that you know what harper said you know to his teammates they're they're talking all the time um you know that's just that's part of the game if a guy's tipping he's got to make the adjustments in game 
Uh, but I definitely think he was because McCullers is a very good pitcher and he's a very good pitcher in the postseason as well. That was very uncharacteristic of him to, you know, give a performance like that. But clearly something was amiss. But yeah, he was it was the Olive Garden task. He was serving up meatballs there. <laughs> yeah. And then we didn't see him the rest of the series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, not that was even it. In a relief role. Uh, it's funny. I just got a gift card to the Olive Garden, Joel. What timing? <laughs> what timing? Nice. Nice. Uh, I think I have it in my pocket here. Oh, they, don't, yeah. they don't pay me, but I don't mind showing their gift card because I guess they sent me one. There it is. Right there. Okay. Boom. I'll get a meatball I'm for curious, you, my man. I'm who, curious. Who gave you an Olive Garden gift card? Yeah. Who would do that? that is that your question? Yeah. Who, yeah, on, who gave that to who you? Who on earth would give I believe it was from Olive Garden, the business itself. Like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought someone, yeah. I think it okay. was like a, a Twitter follow thing and they probably just. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so okay. I'll get a meatball in your honor and uh, unlimited <laughs> okay. salad, of me. course. And breadsticks, right? Yeah. No doubt. Okay. Unlimited breadsticks and soup. The minestrone soup's not bad. Not bad at okay. all. Okay. I'll anyway, take your word for it. Uh, you know, McC- it is interesting because McCullers did have five Ks. So I guess they weren't guessing. Mm-hmm right all the time uh, right. but it's interesting because like i think the stat was on his in his previous 451 off-speed pitches so it's a lot it's a pretty big sample size he, sure he didn't give up one home run uh and then in this instance he gave up four to the phillies who yeah they, they, definitely with the harper hey come on over here it felt like yeah they were onto something they saw something yeah they saw something uh and and they actually they faced mccullers in the final days of the regular season and he only gave up one run over six innings against them. So yeah. Um, anyway, they're up seven zip at this point with the five home runs and I knew they weren't coming back. I, I just, yeah. I just knew as a sports fan, there's no way to know that, but I just knew it wasn't one of those. It just, obviously it felt like uh, twice. I mean, twice in three games that was mm-hmm. going to happen. But anyway, uh, last note on game yeah. three, because uh, we got so much to get to. This was a great series. Country singer Tim McGraw yeah. in the stands wearing a <laughs> Phillies McGraw jersey. And I just yeah. thought it was his own jersey, right? I, I had his no dad's, idea. His dad's, right? His dad's, yeah. Tug McGraw yeah. was Tug a major McGraw. Yeah, we talked about it on No Dunks this week. Uh, mm-hmm. you, knew, you knew Tug was a, a major leaguer. And he yeah. won a World Series with the Phillies in 1980. With the Phillies, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. I had no yeah. idea. Thank you. I guess. Uh, I guess I'm not. I'm. I'm just a casual. But uh, I'm catching up. I'm catching up as we uh, we catch you all up here on this great freaking World Series. Uh, it was. Yes. It was phenomenal. We've got lots to get to. I've got lots of questions for you, Joel. Uh, mm-hmm. One. One from Danielle, actually. She uh, okay. she she okay. sent in a question. Um, we've got lots to get to about you know we'll get more Jeremy Pena talk, etc. Mm-hmm. Dusty Baker talk, etc. Yeah, uh, and we'll get to whether this World Series victory rids the Astros of the cheater label. Uh, but first, mm-hmm. a quick ad break, and Olive Garden is not a part of it. We'll be right back. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside 
to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Back with No Bunts, where we're always going, oppo taco. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, sh- uh, just saw this stat. Got to share it with you. Once I get a stat in my head, I got to share it. Phillies had 71 Ks. This World Series, the most in a World Series history. They definitely uh, oh, wow. swing for the fences type of group there. Saw Rob Thompson, our favorite Canadian manager, uh, oh, being interviewed there. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder what the shift next year. I mean, this is bigger picture. But if more small ball comes into play and less, you know, less of the three true outcomes thing with the strikeout homer. Right. So hopefully that happens. I'm sure Rob Thompson loves small ball. I'm just assuming. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, baseball's always adapted. The players will yeah, always very adapt. Um, so, you know, who who knows what, what we're going to see. But obviously, yeah, there's going to be different offensive approaches, I feel like. Sure. All right. Well, game four, uh, the Phillies mm-hmm. up. 2-1 in this series. Uh, what happened here in game four? Well, the Astros just throw Christian Javier on the hill. That helps. And he was taking on Aaron Nola of the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Astros have the bases loaded in the top of the fifth with nobody out. Scoreless game. So, But this is a, a very scary time for the Phillies here. Yeah. So Rob Thompson, we were just talking about, comes out, gets Nola, and brings in Jose Alvarado to face Jordan Alvarez for the second time in this series. Got him the first time, game mm-hmm. one. Lefty versus lefty. You know, he's feels like he has to. Uh, he brought him in in the fifth in game one as well. It worked that time. First pitch, though, he drills Alvarez. Runner scores. Yeah. It's one nothing Strohs. Next batter is Alex Bregman, who hit a grand slam in the World Series in 2019, but Alvarado got ahead of him 0-2. Mm-hmm. So would he get out of this inning with minimal damage? Keep this a close game. He left an 0-2 pitch up just a bit. It was away, and Bregman did a nice job of going oppo with a two-run double. Very good piece of hitting. It's 3-0 now. It's a two-run double there. Sack fly, it's four zip. And then Yuli mm-hmm. Gurriel got a beautiful uh, – his bat on a really tough pitch. Beautiful hit uh, yeah. make for a single. It's five zip. So this game's over, Rachel. It's over. <laughs> It was over. Yeah, that was that was a total smoke show. Uh, no hitter uh, yeah. in the World Series. Uh, first yes. combined no hitter in the World Series. That yeah. to me, that totally shifted the momentum because after that game, you know Philadelphia had scored, you know, in games one and three, the games they won. You know, they put up some serious runs, and after that, in games four, five, and six, I think they only scored three runs. So. Mm-hmm. To me, that kind of, you know, shifted the momentum. That was a huge road win. It tied the series up. Coming off of that blowout uh, in game three, and I think once that happened, I started to think, okay, now it's a best of three, and two of these games are going to be back in Houston. As, you know, I wasn't I wasn't saying this, is, this series is over, but in my mind, I thought 
Philadelphia is really going to be in a tough spot, you know, after after losing this game. Yeah, so Javier, the Astros game four starter, that's how deep this team is. Mm-hmm. Uh, no hits the Phillies through six, and then three more Astros relievers pitch a no-hit inning each, and it's a combined no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Still, even if it's not one pitcher throwing a complete game no-no, yeah. it's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. And, and you mentioned uh, the history of World Series no-hitters. It's only the second one. Uh, the mm-hmm. other one, a... Don Larson, perfect game for the Yankees yeah. in 1956. Uh, there you go. But but and there's also a third postseason no hitters. Only three postseason no hitters in MLB history. Uh, I know who it is. You know who it is. Who was it? Uh, Mr. Roy Halladay, I believe. You're so right. As and he did it as a Philly. He did, yeah. So the Phillies yeah. have been involved in two of them, and uh, he did it versus the Cards in 2010. So the Astros tie the series. That five-zip victory is a great freaking series. Uh, after yeah. the game, Phillies' Kyle Schwarber was asked about being no hit. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. <laughs> and he said, quote, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Ouch. That's not uh, That didn't age well. Well, come on. It kind of aged well because game five, we're still in Philly. Yeah. And, and remember, it's 2-3-2. Two, so mm-hmm. three games in Philly. And yeah, as you said, you don't want to go back to, to Houston down 3-2. So this was a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Astros come out hot. Top one, second pitch of the game, Altuve doubles. Uh, moves to third on an air, and Pena singles him home. Mm-hmm. The Astros picking up right up where they left off. One zip Houston. But bottom one, Kyle Schwarber says, I don't give a shit. And he hits a Schwarbaum Yeah, the second pitch of the game from Astro starter Justin Verlander, so we're tied at one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't win the series, but he kind of he backed it up. Yeah, it's not like sh- – I mean, when I say that take didn't age great, I mean that kind of as a team with Philly. It wasn't on Schwarber. Like, he still – I mean, he – yeah, he, you know, did his part, but the just yeah. the – like I said a minute ago, the entire kind of offense just went missing after that game. They didn't really score too many runs. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if this is interesting, actually, now that I think about it. But the Phillies had a combined no-hitter thrown against them in April, and Schwarber hit a homer the next game. Not that interesting. Uh, but Good to know. <laughs> this may be more interesting. Uh, only two combined no-hitters in MLB during this regular season of all the teams. That was surprising to me. That, oh, yeah. It's only two. It feels like it happens every once they're they're becoming more something. yeah they're becoming more common because guys guys don't throw i mean no guys no, just yeah. guys don't throw they just don't throw nine innings anymore uh so yeah it's definitely more uh, of a rarity for for one guy to throw yeah you know uh, a no hitter yeah that's but, why i thought there would be more than two but anyway back to game five here uh yeah. bottom two verlander gets the first two outs but then gets in a jam Segura pulls a first pitch single, then Verlander walks number nine hitter Brandon Marsh, then he gets behind Schwarber and just throws him off-speed pitches to walk him, essentially. I guess because he's scared of Schwarber crushing fastballs. So uh, bases juice for Reese Hoskins, but uh, Verlander just bared down, struck out Hoskins, got out of a big, big jam there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So top four, it's still 1-1. 
And Astros rookie shortstop Jeremy Pena. It's wild to think that this guy's a rookie. I know he's baby-faced and all that, and he's, but he's a 25-year-old rookie. He looks like maybe it's because the guy's around him, but he's always looks like he's yeah. well beyond his years, right? And yeah. uh, he's he's leading off the inning, and he goes down 0-2. And this is testament to that plays like a vet. He fouls off another pitch, got it to 2-2, and then he pulled a curve into the seats to make it 2-1, a monstrous yeah. home run Yeah, in Game 5. He's huge. I don't know where this guy came from. Obviously, he's a rook, but... Uh, he yeah Houston I mean that's just a testament to Houston's and I know we'll get into this later and you you know my thoughts on the Astros but it's just a testament to the that organization like that's homegrown talent that they're developing he's not a guy they got I believe from another organization he was drafted and developed and he's not the only one you know that Houston's obviously produced he looked he didn't look like a rookie out there tasked at all he looked like he looked like he'd been playing 10 years and like this was no big deal for him it was very. It was awesome to see. Um, okay, so this is where Danielle's question enters the chat. Okay. So, so she was watching that at bat, and as I said, it was it was a six pitch at bat. So he mm-hmm. was going in and out of the box. He was getting ready. He was spitting. He also let snot rockets go from each <laughs> of his nostrils after different pitches. <laughs> and she said. This this is gross. Like, he didn't even grab it, grab his crotch. There's no crotch grabbing. It was just all yeah. uh, chin and above. Spit, <laughs> snot rockets. Uh, so she said, "Is baseball the grossest of all sports?" And I said, "Probably." Like in terms of, <laughs> I, oh, I, that, I th- yeah, it's there's a lot of spitting. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of snot rockets. But I believe in football, if I'm not mistaken, some guys have like defecated themselves like okay. mid game, you know, so that's that's pretty gross. Although obviously that's they're not, not doing that on purpose. They're not doing that on purpose, yes. Okay. Um yeah, baseball's yeah, baseball is pretty gross. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just it's uh, the what we came up with was it's an outdoor game, a lot of it. So I think that yeah. adds to the people feel comfortable. You know, spit. But Tess, if if I'm not mistaken, I think I think in some of the Asian leagues they don't spit on the field. It's seen as very disrespectful. I'm pretty sure in the Japanese league, uh, I saw something a couple months ago where I don't know if it was an American player, a Latin American player, like you know, spit on the field, and one of the other players was like, "Hey, like, don't do that. That's very disre like we don't we don't do that here." So I don't know if it's don't quote me on that, but I don't know if it's an MLB thing or. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's why we have you on, Joel. That's mm-hmm. that's good insight. I, it's interesting. When I was in China, I saw a lot of people spitting, but maybe on the ball field, uh, they're not allowed to. It, yeah. Just in Asia overall, um, because uh, that makes sense to me. Because um, it's definitely a North American thing. It's not just a major league thing. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, college ball, minor league ball, yeah. but the yeah. snot rockets. It's going a little too far. The spitting, yeah, is that's like... that's that's disgusting. Yeah, spitting, <laughs> like I'm not like spitting is is gross. Like not, yeah, it's gross. But yeah, snot rocket. I mean, yeah, you tone it down. You're out of ten. I could use you at a seven. Like, calm down. Um, Sam, you know, no, in the chat says umpires throw up regularly. Do they? I I I don't Sam know. Sam, you know, no, is uh, 
he's a very trustworthy person. So okay. I, I, th- I throw that up there, but umps. Uh, I have seen I have seen umps get ill on the field. I think usually like a very hot day, they're behind the plate. But I I don't think it's something I've seen like with regularity. Mm. Uh, good comment here. I feel the NHL benches get pretty oh, gross. Oh yeah, good call. Yeah, thanks, totally. Scott. As two uh, two Canadians here, we should we should know that. Um, yeah. Probably, but you don't see it as much as baseball, I guess, because the close-ups. I think that's one thing with how great the presentation is with baseball right mm. now. You see so many close-ups. You see you uh, everything in HD. Like you're seeing the spit and the snot rockets <laughs> in high definition. So it's like right in your face. It was like right yeah. in our. We're like, we have a nice TV. Um, we're we're watching it up close and personal. So yeah, Danielle, Danielle always comments on that uh, baseball. Here's a comment. I think to back up our question, I've never heard of umps throwing up, uh, via Hootsky. So I don't know. I don't know. We're spreading some more misinformation. Anyway, uh, let's get back to, uh, game five here. The score was three, two in the bottom of the eighth, the Astros trying to hold off a Phillies rally. And it was interesting because Trey Mancini, who was seemed like a big pickup, at the trade yeah. deadline, he ha- he wasn't hasn't been doing much uh, in the World Series at all. Uh, he was in at first base in the bottom of the eighth because he came in as a pinch hitter in the top of the eighth, and he hadn't mm-hmm. played first base in a month essentially since October. Yeah, it's been 5th. a while. Uh, so uh, I th- they were comfortable throwing him out there, though. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you'd think maybe he maybe this would be something that would come back to bite uh, Dusty Baker in the butt. But he came through, runners on first and third, two out. Schwarber pulled a ball down the line that would have tied the game. But Mancini, Smoked it. Yeah, he did smoke it. Mancini was all over it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came up with it to stop the rally. And then the Phillies had one more chance in the bottom of the ninth. Real Muto, big home run hitter, as we've said a couple times. Uh, he just, just hits dingers. He lofted a ball deep to yeah. right center. Uh, but here comes Chas McCormick. From the other side of center, playing him to pull. And then after 92 feet, he gathered himself, timed his jump perfectly, uh, stretching his right hand up to the top of the wall, colliding with the wall and coming down with the catch, laying on his back for a while, looking up. Uh, He had actually uh, friends and family there in Philadelphia, although he's an Mm -hmm. Astro. Uh, And uh, there's a cool photo. You'll see it in Tweet of the Night a little bit later on in the show. But McCormick hung on. And just like the Astros did. did with that beautiful catch. So question, Joel, do uh, you mm. want to comment on Chaz's catch or do you want to just go to the question? Was was it better than Devon White's catch in 1992? Oh, Taz, you know I can never, you know I yes. can never go against my yes. beloved Blue Jays. That's the but right answer. Object, I mean, that, that, was, that was a phenomenal catch. And just I just wanted to quickly jump in yeah. uh, on the Mancini thing. Those guys, you know, McCormick and Mancini didn't really do anything offensively, you know, uh, in, in this series. I feel like, well, Mancini definitely not. But that's what I love about baseball, especially playoff baseball. Just that one key moment, they did what they had to do in that moment. Those were both game-saving plays. They did it on the other side of the ball. Very excited, very happy, you know, especially Mancini and Tess, when we did our last show, I was reading in the comments and you said, why should we cheer for Houston? And I totally forgot. And I'm glad one of the listeners wrote this. Yeah. Mancini's a, a cancer survivor. And I, you know, totally slipped my mind. So it was good to see him, you know, have that moment in the World Series uh, as well. But that was that was such an exciting thing. And, you know, f- you know, we talked about this earlier. 
Houston was just a better defensive team that was on display because it was, I think Schwarber fumbled the ball at first base, which allowed Altuve to score from third. Um, and that, you know, that should have been, they, they would have been able to get Altuve at home or possibly keep him on that third if that ball is fielded cleanly. So, you know, defense was, you know, on, uh, was another, you know, thing that separated both teams. Yeah. That, in, that insurance run there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that turned uh, out to be the winning run. Right. Right. It well, felt mm-hmm. like an insurance run. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. As you said, cool for Trey Mancini, uh, mm-hmm. the moment. And it was cool for Justin Verlander, even though uh, as the Astros hung on, he got a win, even though he's had a Hall of Fame career. It was his sure. first World Series win, which is wild. Yeah. Hard to believe. Uh, it, Eight World Series starts, 0-6 in them, and uh, just rolling through the other rounds of, of the playoffs because his numbers overall are Justin Verlander-like when it comes to the postseason, but he just got mm-hmm. hammered over the years uh, w- in the World Series. Anyways, Dusty Baker stuck with him. Uh, he yeah. did in Game 1. We criticized that. You know, I threw that out there in Game 1 that he stuck with him too long, but he obviously uh, paid him off here by sticking with him. Verlander definitely paid off. Yeah, Because the Astros won this baby, and we go to Houston, two chances for the Astros to win it. Game six, same matchup as game two tonight. It was uh, Framber Valdez and Zach Wheeler. Both guys rolling. Yeah. Uh, Zach, Zach Wheeler breaking bats. Yeah. That was, I, I haven't seen that. I, mean, it was, I don't think ever watching baseball. That I guess it was the third uh, he was sawing off multiple bats, mm-hmm. yeah, that, so that was pretty cool. Bottom of the fourth, Pena let off with, with a single, and I mentioned that because he had a hit in all six World Series games on his way wow. to being named yeah. uh, MVP. Uh, beautiful stuff there. Um, and that was only the uh, second hit of the night for Houston there in the fourth as Zach Wheeler was rolling. Top six, still scoreless. Phillies had only one hit going in, but Schwarber again, he leads off, rips a homer into the seats. Another Schwarbaum. There it is. And a wicked replay showing his quick hands adjusting to a sinker Mm -hmm. moving in on his hands. It was wild. And Smoltz uh, commenting it on the call, like how he pulled his hands in as a ball went right to left, and he was able to get the barrel on it. Third homer of the series. And three in the last four games. So the Phillies Phillies were out to a lead, Joel. They were. And I think in that broadcast, too, because I was actually switching between the Fox one and, and the ESPN one. I can't remember which one mentioned it, but that was the first home run that he had given up since July uh, in Houston, which I thought was, you know, like that's a, that's a crazy stat. So that was just a good piece of hitting. I mean, that's that just goes to show you how good of a hitter Schwarber is. Wow, Framber had yeah. given up one up in four months. That's phenomenal. Yeah, he looked yeah. he looked unhittable until that point. Mm-hmm. And so at the, on the other side, because Zach Wheeler was looking unhittable, it looked like Philly was in a decent spot. They just yeah. had to feel good. But what was wild was this this was some this was baseball here. Bottom of the sixth. Martin Maldonado, the big catcher for the Astros, he's leading off and Pitch hits him in the elbow, and yeah, and uh, uh, on on the broadcast on the Fox broadcast, 
they showed the adjustment that he made because he was getting pitched inside over and mm-hmm. over and over again. And they showed how far he was standing off the plate in his previous at-bat compared to this at-bat where he got hit in the elbow and he was on top of the plate. And so the pitch that hit him, he it was literally just off the plate. If it was a ball at all, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But his elbow was basically on the plate. And the uh, Phillies complained. There's nothing really to complain about. They, I guess they they did review it, hoping that it hit his the the knob of his bat. I guess. Yeah. Um, clearly but, didn't. No, it did not hit his elbow. But I mean that little adjustment, monstrous because a leadoff guy. Yeah. On is so big in this series. Yeah, and Tass, I I don't think we talked about this, but in game one, Aledmus Diaz was hit, and he blatantly leaned into it and the ump actually called him back. And that's something that you don't see very often. And I didn't see any people really complaining about that. I think most fans I saw, at least the chatter agreed with the call. I mean, pretty, I mean you know, it was pretty easy to see. Yeah. Uh, and I think they were like, well, is this going to happen like two times in one world series? I don't, I don't think he leaned into this one. I think it, it hit no. him. No, no. He just adjusted and, and got on the plate and right. Uh, Wheeler kept pitching him the same, uh, pitched him inside, mm-hmm. and, and it hit him. No, he didn't move the way uh, Diaz did. That was that was phenomenal for the umpire to yeah. be. It, just, the home plate umpire saw it and called him right back. It wasn't even another umpire. He just mm-hmm. immediately said, no way. Get back here. Yeah, yeah that, that was great. So this hit-by-pitch, big, big hit yeah. tonight uh, in game six. So he is on. And then Altuve hits into a fielder's choice. So he's on first, get a little speed there. And then Pena again steps mm-hmm. up with a single. Altuve with this speed goes first to third. So it's first and third, one out. Wheeler's night done. Third time in this series, Pena knocked out a Philly starting pitcher, yeah. uh, which is, which is kind of neat. So in comes the lefty, Jose Alvarado, to face Jordan Alvarez for the fourth time in this series. Lefty versus lefty again. It's it's always a question yeah. throughout the postseason. Who are you going to throw against Alvarez? Uh, yeah. Alvarez was 0 for 2 and was hit once in those three matchups prior to tonight against Alvarado. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Alvarado wished he just hit him like he did in game four because this time Alvarez hit Alvarado in a big way. A yeah. bomb. Fastball yeah. down the middle. Crushed he took it. it. He did. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't have hit it any harder. 450-foot bomb, straightaway center, three-run blast, made it 3-1. Yeah. Uh, so f- first homer since the division series. Alvarez had been kind of quiet, but he had we, been, re- yeah. we remember those ones, those two postseason, those two division series homers yeah. uh, against the Mariners because they were homers that gave the lead to the Houston mm-hmm. Astros. So all three dingers uh, that he hit, all three of his postseason homers were go-ahead home runs. And I know we were texting back and forth. Joel, how do you feel about going to Alvarado versus Alvarez in this situation? I mean, I get matchups. I, I, I get it. You, you're just simply playing the percentages. But if you know if you can't execute your pitch, then matchups mean nothing. Uh, Robbie Ray hung a meatball to Alvarez, you know, and and with. Um, you know, same with Alvarado tonight. It just, I mean, if you can, and he was wild too. He melted down after that. I, it's easy to sit here and be a Monday morning quarterback about it. Um, I think Thompson should have kind of 
rolled with uh, rolled with the starter a bit longer. It's easy to say that now, but I mean that that was the game right there. You know, I don't know what else to say other than that. I I just like matchups to me. I don't know. I used to be in favor of them, but in recent years, I'm not as I'm not as convinced. Uh, I still think you need to have a bit more faith in your starters. You know, Wheeler was pitching great up to that point. I don't. I mean, there was a runner on first and third. I get it, but you know, he had pitched well against Alvarez in those first two at bats. I don't see why you don't stick with them there. But again, like that's easy for for us to say in in hindsight. Yeah, and he did get him out two of the three times he pitched against them and he mm. hit him he hit him the other time so he hadn't gotten a hit off of him but um yeah it's it, 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 smoltz was saying on the broadcast it's sort of like uh, you know the third time around in the order alvarez now seeing alvarado for the fourth time in this series uh so that i'm sure helped him out um but it, it felt like he he missed his mark as eat crab mentioned here Jordan has an even split it probably doesn't even matter that alvarado was a lefty he can hit both he's mm-hmm. into yeah. throw high heat to him except this time he missed middle middle he missed there's absolutely he, he missed this pitch. no he, there's no doubt about that um mm-hmm. alvarado's a tough dude to throw to but he yeah he, he didn't he it. didn't yeah, he didn't have like you said, he didn't have a lot of hits, you know, in the postseason test, but the ones he did, he he made them count. They were huge. Well, the Astros would add an insurance run to make mm-hmm. it four one, and they would hang on. Uh the Astros. They lost two World Series to underdog NL East teams, the Nationals in twenty nineteen, the Braves in twenty twenty one, but not this year. They look mm-hmm. so good. World Series yeah. MVP, Jeremy Pena. Dusty Baker, the oldest manager to win it uh, mm-hmm. at 73, I do believe. And uh, he had won over 2,000 games without winning the series the most yeah. um, in MLB history. So good stuff there. And I believe they were talking about on the broadcast, too, he was the only manager to have won 2,000 games but not to have won a World Series championship. So he's... You know, he's uh, he's officially part of the club, I guess you could say. But I think a lot of people, especially a lot of baseball fans, are just so happy that he finally got it. He's such he's such a good dude. I mean, he's been snake bitten. He's had his heart broken, you know, in Washington and Chicago. I feel he's just been on the end of a lot of bad luck in his managerial career. So I'm very happy for him to finally get one. He definitely deserves it. Good for him. And I'm seeing this here as uh, yeah, Baker brings home his first World Series title as a manager. Apparently, he's the oldest manager in the four major American sports to win a championship. Just win a championship? That's kind of surprising, okay. uh, according, to, according to NBC Sports. I would think definitely the first oldest to win a first, but uh, apparently the first, the oldest just to win it to win one okay that's interesting anyway he's seven you said he's 73 years old yeah yeah that that's 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 not young yeah that's not young yeah (laughs) okay it could be true uh it it could definitely true uh so you know i've hinted at it uh, a couple times there do you think the world series rids the astros of the cheater label Uh, absolutely absolutely this this puts it to bed and you know, kind of in that vein, I know the World Series just ended an hour ago and there's there's going to be free agency, and, free agency and things like that. Houston's pretty much going to run this team back out there. 
I think Verlander's a free agent. I don't know off the top of my head, but pretty much the majority of that roster is under control and going to be back. And I don't really, again, like we don't know what's going to happen in free agency, but even with that being said, I can't see a team like, whether it's spending or through trades going out there and closing the gap, Houston to me clearly showed that they are a tier above everybody else in major league baseball. No disrespect to Philly Philly, you know, gave them, you know, gave them a challenge, but Houston was always in control. Even, even in the losses. Okay. They got smoked that one game, but even in the other loss, um, they, they were up, they should, you know, they were up five, nothing, uh, I think this completely puts it to bed for me. I don't really have anything else to say on it. And I don't think you could make a logical case against them uh, of, of, you know, them being cheaters or, you know, the only reason they're good is because they did underhanded stuff. No, they did it because they're a well-run organization, period. Well said. And I, I know sometimes you uh, you get tired of the – Oh, the Dodgers are always on top talk uh, because they show up in every postseason and they only won the one during the, you know, the odd 2020 season. But mm-hmm. you don't feel the same way about the Astros. like you, Well, in what sense? Well, you're tired of the Dodgers because oh, oh, they, okay. they always show up to the dance and they only won the one in 2020. Now, this is the Astros second, but they had only won one. Yeah. And that one, you know, had the, the, the cheating black eye all over it Mm -hmm. but they show up and they haven't won until until this one but you feel like uh you seem like you're okay seeing them in the dance year after year while the dodgers you're just yeah they spend and spend and spend and they can't get it done exactly yeah what houston i mean obviously houston spent money you know they it's not like they're doing this on the cheap but a lot of that's homegrown and to be fair, so, so is a lot of the Dodgers talent, but Freeman was a free agent. Bets they traded for. Uh, those are two key pieces. And there's rumors that they're going to make a run at judge and free agency, which I think would be hilarious and awesome to see if they were actually able to get Aaron judge. But uh, yeah, they just haven't got it done. And Houston has, it's, it's as simple as that. All right. We're going to get it done. We're going to get this show done. We've got a, a great tweet of the night coming up, a great image from this World Series. Uh, but first, got to take a quick break. We will be right back. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, baby, you're back with no bunts, but it's a No Dunks classic segment. It's Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet uh. All right, Joel, I was a little disappointed that this uh, showed up on the broadcast here in uh, Game 6 because it kind of steals the the thunder uh, of the tweet of the night. But that's all right because this is goes it, – it's so damn good. It's just so good. It, we're going back to Game 5. We know Chaz McCormick's incredible catch in the bottom of the ninth. He hits the wall. He lies on his back. He's look, looking up into the bleachers of his hometown. And then, apparently – Someone in the stands takes a photo of the warning track after he got up. And it looks like this. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll try and explain it. It's the imprint of McCormick's back perfectly on the dirt. Like You can see his number yeah. imprinted, his arms splayed out of this incredible catch and where he lied. And he said uh, after the game, look, it felt like a dream. Uh, if I, if that was the last out of the game, I would have laid there forever. Uh, he said that catch will never leave my head. I remember watching that on live TV and it was amazing. I'm not sure how he was watching it on live TV, but anyway, <laughs> um, he said, uh, he saw anger, disappointment, shock when he looked up at all those faces. And, uh, he said about a dozen friends and families were there. He said, I wanted to lay there longer. He also said that it looks kind of fake, uh, but he's going to frame it either way. So Chaz McCormick, yeah, uh, pretty cool imprint there that that his body yeah. left. It does look fake for sure. But, it does, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't even mention this photo comes from uh, Traces of Texas on Twitter, who was literally apparently there. It wasn't from the broadcast. It was somebody hanging over the fence and taking a photo here. So mm-hmm. pretty neat, I thought. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, and they I guess it got so big that they showed it uh, during the broadcast today mm-hmm. uh, very quickly. Uh, but, yeah, it kind of steals the thunder. It's not really Tweet of the Night. It's really Tweet of the Last Few Days. But Yeah, still works. Still works, man. It still works. Uh, anyways, that's it for us, uh, Joel, unless you have any final comments here, comments, concerns. No, I mean I, I I had fun and Tass, you know, being on your uh, being on your podcast has motivated me to start my own baseball podcast. I've got a catchy name. I wanted to run it by you, the <laughs> baseball the baseball Joels. Oh, <laughs> I got you. No, I'm kidding. I I I wish I had time to do a baseball podcast. I know, but I've appreciated it. It's been fun and yeah, oh, this I'm disappointed. You know, this uh, yeah, it's been fun doing <laughs> this and this name. was a great great postseason and. You know, I'll miss baseball, but, you know, we got free agency coming up. And, uh, yeah, you know, wintertime. Uh, well, I had, uh, I had a lot of fun doing the show. I am uh, disappointed that the basketball Joels will not happen. Uh, the baseball never... Joels. Sorry, man. 
That's okay. Right. I got you. <laughs> I got you. The, hey, you can't get mad at me about a name you're not even going to use. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. Uh, that was a good one. That's a good one. Uh, and this Hootsky comment is what it's all about. He said, glad you started the pod. Fun to see you seemingly fall back into love, into your love of the game and honestly help me do the same. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly what happened. That's why I started this show. But I want to hear uh, comments, concerns, suggestions. Email nodunksattheathletic.com. Hit up any of our social media accounts, No Dunk Sync or myself at Tasmelis. Uh And, uh, you know, let's discuss. Do you want to see another season of this show? Because we're wrapping it up here. Do you want to see it in 2023? What do you want it to be? Any suggestions? Because we did have fun. We had a lot of great guests. Joel, yourself. Uh, we had Dwyer. We had Beecham. We had Trevor May of the Mets. We had Jason Stark. Uh, we, you know, we had we had a lot of fun playing games and uh, you know experts like Blake Murphy and Chris Kirshner and David O'Brien. So it was it was a blast. And, and I forced uh, JD to talk about baseball. So <laughs> all in all, uh, it was pretty good. So. We'll see what happens uh, next season. I got to think of a new name. The baseball. Or maybe I should just roll with no bunts. What do you think? You're the expert on names, I guess, now. Uh, I, I, no bunts. Yeah, no, no bunts works. No bunts works. Yeah. But Tass, I'm coming to Atlanta. We're going to, we'll, uh, if you have me on, we'll, uh, we'll do another one. No doubt. And you remember when you were in Atlanta, do you remember what happens at the end of the show? We play this clip. And mm-hmm. then you got to say something funny after, okay? So here's the clip, you know, like just okay. something catchy, anything, okay. you know, any, anything slightly memorable it can be about the season, can be about Joel. Anyways, here comes the clip. You, you you're on right after it, okay? Okay. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. I'm gonna go home, eat lunch, and throw some hot sauce on my Apo tacos. <laughs> well done, Joel. All right, we'll see you next time, everybody.